thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And you're not going to believe where we are right now. (laughs) (laughs) We've just completed a one-day event with the wellness guys, Damien, Lawrence, and Brett. And, you know, it was exceptional. We had the most amazing day. We had, I think there was about 160 or 180 people in the room. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we were going to um, offer everybody an opportunity to join us at the um, BFO (laughs) Wellness Retreat in Fiji. Now, if you've got your pens handy, write this date down and go and check your diary after you've listened to this podcast. It's the 25th through to the 27th of September, and uh, we're going to have everybody back in time to watch the grand final, because apparently that's quite important to the older (laughs) Damien. (laughs) Don't know about the rest of you guys, but we're really, really excited about that. It's a one-day, it's a three-day retreat in Fiji, and it's going to be absolutely extraordinary. Lawrence and I are talking about mindset. Kim and Brett are talking about a caveman experience. <laughs> Not together. Well, I don't well know. maybe we might. <laughs> Sorry, Beck. <laughs> and Cindy and um, Damien are talking about my mate, my, your buddy. My buddy are talking about food and what it does to the body and how it alters the vibrational frequency of the body. And we were just we were just actually having a giggle this morning about how alike we all are with the wellness guys. But, you know, here we actually are, up for a chat, in Cindy's car. (laughs) Because we've come down to Byron Bay to do some investigating for our own retreat that we're doing in May. Just us three girls. And we're going down to Byron Bay to go and check it out. And we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to kind of get you in behind the scenes with us, you know. (laughs) Just so that you can spend a bit of time with us in the car sharing the things that we talk about. Because I actually think we have conversations that are quite unique. And in our conversations, we discover stuff. Absolutely. We, you know, we brainstorm and we talk about things that are not normally discussed amongst girlfriends sitting around having scrambled eggs and bacon for breakfast. We talk about things that are kind of world-changing, life-changing, inspirational, enlightening. And this morning... We were just sitting having breakfast watching the ocean and the rain. Totally enthralled in the most enlightening conversation. And it was as if we all three of us were transported to another realm. And we really wanted to share it with you because being behind the scenes gets you into these kind of conversations. And we thought it was just perfect. Don't you reckon? Oh, look, it was so amazing at one point. I actually felt myself lift up above these two and I felt like I was in a helicopter view listening and I thought, wow, is this, is this what our listeners hear? Because I'm actually really totally inspired by the conversation right now and I had a couple of little moments where I went, wow, they were like little, I don't know, epiphanies or ahas or even my own thinking feels like it's constantly having a paradigm shift every time I'm in conversation with you both and... Maybe we're just totally in love with each other. I don't know. Maybe we just, maybe we just think each other is just so extraordinary. I don't know, but I just can't tell you guys how much I love being a part of this with 
these two extraordinary women. And, and if you are getting anything from these podcasts, even a snippet of what I feel I'm getting, then I can see Up For A Chat is going to be here for quite some time because the conversations are never ending. And now just on that, while, we're, while I mentioned that we are in the car, um, don't be surprised if you hear brakes <laughs> screeching, Kim and I screaming for our lives because Cindy's driving this giant truck. And she has already... Oh, no, we can't. No, we, we, we you can't her. say that because no. Howard will hear it. No. Okay, but you so, just said that. And Cindy, Cindy's the most fabulous driver. Yes, she is, Howie. Unbelievable. <laughs> she would never run into the back of a fence. Never. Would she? No. I mean, no. No, that was a shopping trolley. What are you talking about? Oh, in the car park. Sorry. God, poor Cindy. We can't even edit that part out because we're doing this recording on Cindy's phone so there can be no editing and you've just totally put her in it. I'm sorry. Oh, Kim, uh, Cindy, you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to get her later. She can't slap me now. No, she's driving. But girls, I reckon, I reckon take us. I don't know if we'll be able to re-say what we said and the way we said it, but we know it's going to come out in the right way, but... What we talked about this morning was quite, mm. quite mind blowing. I'm still quite in profound. a bit of a, it, I'm still in a very, well, I think transient state with it. Like a noodle baking. We had a bit, of, <laughs> we had a little bit of noodle baking this morning. I think what started the conversation was Cindy and myself and Kim were talking about, you know, as speakers, there are some times when we go on stage and we are so in the moment and we are so on fire. And then there are other times where that just doesn't seem to be available to us. And that's that's what started I think the the epiphany was, was that when we know we're so on fire, and that's not coming from a place of of arrogance or ego, it's not that. But what we realise is when we are in that place of, of unbelievable delivery, perhaps, we're actually not there. Does that matter? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if it's almost as if the human aspect of us gets out of the way, mm. and what becomes available then is a more enlightened state, and a, 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 it's almost like you're on a different frequency, a different channel. That's the part that's just that was the part that we were trying to make sense of this morning, wasn't it, Cindy? We were yeah. trying to we were trying to distinguish what's the difference that makes a difference for us in those circumstances. I mean, what is that? Well, you know. The whole conversation was, what was the difference between, you know, your talk yesterday and your talk at a, a conference where there were 700 chiropractors and I was watching you uh, along with a girlfriend. And as we're watching you, Karen, we're saying, you're on fire. You know, we're both saying, she's just sparking, she's on fire, there's something happening. And so what we were trying to figure out is, a, is a, what enlightens you to create those things versus... Uh, when we're not in the moment, uh, and so that's that's where we were going with it. And, and how do we live life then, every day exactly. like that? Uh, when are we in the moment, and when are we not? And really, I think what we got to was, and I asked the question of the girls: is is that enlightenment when you get to that place where? And I'm not sure if it's when you're numb, or you're just so joyful, or so peaceful, or so connected to something grander than ourselves that you can't even put it into language. I think what's important for our listeners too is to kind of give you guys a bit of context as to what really does happen when 
and I don't think it's I don't think it's distinct to us just being speakers and being on a stage or a platform. I think every human being has access to this feeling, and you know, I think you guys, as you're listening to this, you're going to resonate with it. You're going to know because you've all had glimpses. We all have. It's impossible not to get glimpses of the grandest version of ourselves or the the most enlightened version of ourselves or and it's again you're so right Kim language just doesn't do it justice it's almost like it's the okay here we go here we go this is this is where what we were talking about this might this might help explain it when I was in Bali and I never talk about this because it just never seems right or it just doesn't come up but when I was in Bali and I'd gone through the explosion there was a time that I was unconscious and in that time that I was unconscious, obviously I wasn't here, I was somewhere else. And when I regained my consciousness and got out onto the street and was standing around all of the death and all of the broken bodies and all of the burnt bodies and the limbs and the fingers and the hands that were on the street just lying there, a normal person would be terrified if they thought they had to go and see that. A normal person would not sit next to somebody who was passing away and not feel a sense of trepidation or fear or disgust or terror, or terror really. A normal person couldn't sustain that normally, you know, as you imagine what that would be like. And Karen, I think that's what happens when you tell your story to any of us listening. We just can't imagine the horror of that. We can't imagine you ever been in anything but horror. But see, here's the real reality of it. You know, this was this, and I think this was the part that really sparked the conversation was that there was no horror. I never felt, I never felt that terror. I just didn't what I felt. And I'm going to come clean here, and I don't know how this is even going to land for you guys. Should I talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I actually got an experience that I shared with my mum and my sister and my family afterwards. But I got a sense of, well, not a sense, I got a complete knowing that I was an angel being or an, an angelic being of some kind. I don't know any other words to say other than angelic being, but I got a sense that I was completely connected to everyone and everything and there was no separation and this, there was no fear, there was no terror, there was no horror. All there was was oneness. And we were all experiencing this particular experience at the one time, but there was nothing but oneness between us all. And it was the most euphoric experience that I can put language to. But I remember saying to my mum in the hospital afterwards, I saw who I was and I saw who everybody else was. I felt it. I felt that we were these angelic beings. We were these all-powerful, all-connected creatures just experiencing life but we'd forgotten who we were it was as if we were all angels but we just lost our wings but we didn't lose who we were we've just forgotten and because I had that sensation and that sense of enlightenment I guess what we were talking about this morning was well where the hell did that come from and if that is true for all of us We've all felt it at some point. We've all felt this sense of enlightenment, this sense of connectedness, this sense of oneness. We've all felt it, even if it was just fleeting. We've all felt that sense of inner peace at some point, even if it's momentary. 
there's been an affinity and a familiarity with humanity that we've experienced at some point that makes us feel completely at peace, makes us feel completely alive, makes us feel completely magnificent, and then it disappears and then we go back to bitching about somebody who's cut us off in the traffic or, or the person who put their trolley into the back of your car. Correct. <laughs> you know, what was I found quite fascinating is that we were having this conversation, and, and we will continue it, but we were having this conversation and then uh, we get in the car and because I'm so into the conversation and so into making sure that we, you know, we do everything, and then somebody's behind me honking me to get out of the way, and, I'm, and I then have a bit of a swear at them, and, I, and we go, well, we're no longer in enlightenment, are we? <laughs> <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're back. But I think that's that moment, I think we all agreed, on stage. So, and I think what you've just said, Karen, is, is perhaps the real key is there's just all we feel on stage, that euphoria is actually oneness. Oneness with ourselves, oneness with every single person in that room, regardless of where they're at or what they're experiencing. There is a sense of oneness and connectedness. And that is the question we're asking one another this morning, is if that is enlightenment and if that is what we're all searching or, or perhaps trying to reach, then... When we get those moments, how do we make them last longer? Or how do we stay in that state longer? Yeah. And how do we actually keep manifesting those states to happen? Because, my goodness, nothing. You, you almost feel untouchable in those little moments, don't you? And it's like you can, you can create anything. You can be anything. And so can everybody else. And there's just this all-powerful knowledge and knowing. And this is, you know, this is the thing. It's, it's as if we instinctively know who we are. Our body knows who we are. Our cells know who we are. So sometimes our, our brain forgets. And how can we harness that? those glimpses and those moments? How can we harness those so that then we can have whatever we want? We can create whatever we want. We can be completely free, never trapped, never fearful, never discouraged, never disempowered. How do we feel that sense of euphoria all the time? Because that's our natural state of being and our body knows it. We know it. We know it, we know it without a doubt. There's just no question about it. One of the things that you actually said that I had to stop and rethink what you said and it was about the mind and the body and here I am, I've, I've forgotten. Do you remember what you said? That yeah. The, yeah, I think I said something about um, the body exists in the mind. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go, body exists in the mind. And that's when we started to talk about fear. And when we fear something and our body won't allow us to do something. You remember we were, yeah, we were and chatting then, about and that? Yeah, and then I gave the example of me. If you told me I had to walk through a narrow walkway, I'd be fine to do that if something was narrow. But now put that walkway 300 metres up. Yeah on a bridge and all of a sudden my body becomes almost jelly-like or right, uncontrollable yeah. or why am I now fearful? Even though it's still a walkway, I could still walk it, but now my whole, and there's no way I'm going to fall off it because there's barriers and unless I purposely perhaps tried to jump, that would have been quite extraordinary. Yeah. But, but in all honesty, why all of a sudden now I'm 300 metres up, am I so fearful and my body and physiology has changed, my breathing's got shallow, like 
like why is my mind allowing the height or the fear of falling to now override my physicality in that moment mm. and I think that is that's that's part of it that the body does exist in the mind and what that means is that in and of itself the body is a neutral a neutral mechanical machine it does have cellular memory and it does have um, you know it does it does have its own in- intelligence of course but it exists in conjunction with the mind but if the if the if the mind initiates the thought of fear that now I'm 300 meters above the air and I'm walking in a narrow hallway or a narrow corridor if the mind sees that that's danger the body will respond to the danger and therefore paralyze the body so to the extent that the mind gives the instruction the body responds so they really the mind the body does exist in the mind and if that's true here's the mind the noodle baker <laughs> because if we cut you open you're not in there you know so where are you then that's right where are you and who's giving the instruction to the body to be fearful because if we cut you open, you're not there. All that's there is a brain, a lung, a heart, a kidney, a stomach, a leg, and a you know muscle tissue. So we cut you open, and you're not in there yet. So, well, so I mean, where are you? And really, how big are you? Because if you're not in you, where else could you possibly be? Because the human is a small, insignificant being in the context of the universe. So if you're not in you, then where are you and how big are you and what are you capable of and what's, what's your purpose and why are you here and how do you, how can you be, how can you take this body and make it be more of an expression of the real you because the real you is actually massive. And, and how does one person look at that bridge as a, as a challenge and something, or not even see it even as a challenge, they just walk over the bridge with no fear, and someone else plucks a thought out of, I could die, it could hurt, or I'm afraid, or I'm fearful. Where do those thoughts come from? And the question I was asking this morning is, is that based on past experience, that I now look at that bridge as fearful? Because someone else, if, if I took a two-year-old toddler walking over that bridge, they'd be fascinated. Mm. They'd be fascinated. So somewhere along the path has been something that's made me go, that's fearful. I think we conjure up um, our imaginings of how somebody's feeling. So when, let's go back to Bali. When Karen's talking about her experience in Bali, my thoughts when I, you know, when I first, and I still listen to it, uh, I couldn't do that. I wouldn't be able to do that. There's no way I could do that. And, and I also had these same things happening when, I thought of someone close dying to me. I went, I couldn't do that. I can't, I couldn't cope with that death. Or there's, you know, we, we imagine how we would feel, but when it actually happens to us, the imagining is not, it's not even right. It's completely wrong. And and I have to um, explain this in, in watching my mum and my sister pass away is that imagining that and not having them in my life was just horrific. But actually, the reality of watching them die was one of the most beautiful experiences. And and yes, I had grief, but the peace that I have with it and them, and them not being here, I, I can deal with it. I can do it just like you did, Bali. And just like you did, Kim, you know, when your sister-in-law um, took her own life, you know. Or even just as simple as walking, I did get over the bridge. Yeah, you got over I the did. bridge. Yeah. And then I got to the other side and I thought, what was I so worried about? Like, like sometimes I think the fear of 
getting into that place or thinking about it. And I think what happened for you, Karen, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like something greater takes over. Like it's yeah. like you go into autopilot. And I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but when I accidentally parked my car and <laughs> did a bad job of it and actually parked the bumper over the, the front of another car and got out and freaked so badly, I did not think of anything except to get the car. And I lifted the car. I lifted the car. Now, was that adrenaline? Sure, the adrenaline would have come into the body and I would have pumped the muscles full of that flight of fright kind of response. But what had the, had the thought that I could have done that? Someone else would have gone, oh, shivers, I'm going to have to call the RACQ or something or other. But what made me get out and lift the car? What made you go into a place of peace next to your mother instead of going into don't leave me? don't do this to me, how could you go, this is so unfair, what had you go into a place of, this is her time, and, and I'm here for her? Do you know, I think that there's, and, and we were talking about this, I think that there's an experience that becomes possible through reaching the height and the climax and the crescendo of fear and anxiety, and it's imagined it's imagined, it's not real. And this is why we can read so many books and they say feel the fear and do it anyway because we actually know fear is an unreal experience. It's not real, it's an, ang it's an anxious response to an imagined outcome or imagined result what, in the future. What's that acronym? Fear, uh, false uh, emotions appearing real. real. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard my husband's? What's what? that? Flag um, everything and run? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he always says that one. You know, when I was 19, uh, I did an Outward Bound course, and it was two months in Colorado. And there were, every day we were put into situations which would create fear in us. And there are two that I'd really like to talk about, because the imagining of what it was all about was actually far greater than the actual doing yeah. and one of them was I had to do a lead climb up a huge cliff face and I wasn't the leader there was somebody else who was the leader and I was the climber underneath and I'm looking at this cliff and I'm like going there's no way that I can do that and I actually got to a point where I froze because my brain was saying things like I can't do this I, I can't go to the next step. It was like this fear, but I knew I could. Like all I had to do was put the next hand to the next hand hold yeah, and, yeah. and the foot to the next roll. So I froze. And my lead climber came down to me and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm too scared to move. I'm too scared to move. He said, well, you're going to stay here for the rest of your life? Is that where you're going to remain for <laughs> the rest of your life? Because that's the alternative, isn't it? Really? That is the alternative. He says, I want you to stop thinking about what may be oh, wow. and I want you to do what you have to do to get to the top of that hill or to the cliff. Wow. And he, he said, where's your next handhold? And I went there. He said, grab it. So I grabbed it. He says, where's your next one? And I said, there. And he said, grab it. And so I grabbed it. And I got to the top. Oh my God, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I got to the top and he said to me at the top and he said, wow. you panicked, Cindy. That means you do that in, in situations in your life. And you have to learn not to do this panic. And the way you do it is you look at your next step and then your next handhold and then your next foothold. Shut and your next up. Run. 
you are the funniest human being in the entire universe. Okay, so let's talk about seeing your one of your children in distress. Do you panic? Yeah, I do. Get yes. out and, and do I you do. worry about things that your dad or family members might do? I don't you love how they slaughter to me. The ex- to the extent <laughs> that you give yourself a, a migraine, almighty migraine, turn yourself white as a sheet and then have to go and lie down. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't learn. Did I learned nothing when I was 19. Is, is that what well, we're Well, saying? perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> as everything is purposeful, my dearest sweet, perhaps <laughs> this particular situation, conversation, and occurrence is the opportunity and the invitation to create the change and the transformation. Because and perhaps now you... We just dropped the phone there. <laughs> did warn you we did warn you that that could happen <laughs> but perhaps this is this is all necessary like there's no mistake you, we were meant to have this conversation in order for us to be getting these epiphanies and these i guess it's like you know making sense of what we instinctively experience making sense of it labeling it so that then we can pull it out and use it anytime we want to I think Kim's cracking up laughing at you. (laughs) She's just killing herself laughing. She's going, I know, I know, I see that in her. I see that, I see that. But now let's get to Kim. (laughs) Well, you know, before we do that. Oh, no. no. (laughs) But you're absolutely right because what I'm seeing in Cindy is I see in me. Correct. And I do exactly the same thing where my instant... um, It's it's funny, though. If it's someone else or someone I don't know, I don't tend to panic. I go into a little bit more of a, oh, what's happened here? How can I help? What do I do? When it's, if it's my own child or someone I love and care about, it's almost like this emotional trigger takes over and and I become an absolute flapjack. It's just, I go stupid. flapjack, that's hilarious. I go into a flap. Yeah, but when the emotion is high, intelligence is low. So nobody is able to think logically when they're emotional because when, em- when emotions are present and stress responses are present, it bypasses the limbic... Uh, Whichever one of those is. The hippopotamus? Yeah, the hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> or is that the lizard brain? <laughs> the lizard brain. No, when, because the emotional part of the brain, um, emotions are processed in a very different the part limbic. of the brain as the intelligence are. So that's why the statement is when emotion is high, intelligence is low, and you cannot think logically. You just simply can't. So you actually have to wait till the emotion disperses to be able to create the logical response. And sometimes that takes a day, an hour, a month, a year, ten years for some people because they stay emotionally trapped in the pain of an experience or the stress of an experience and then they die. You know, it's brought up something else, a memory that I have. And and it was more, it was, it was, it was like... The Colorado experience, it was still outward bound. So I, I'm given another fear factor. And the fear factor was three days alone in um, the middle of Arizona or New Mexico. I can't even remember where I was now. In the middle of a desert with a tarp, a sleeping bag, and water. And that's all I was allowed for three that's days. Not a challenge. That's bloody torture. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, where's, where's the where stars? The, where's the hair dryer? Where are you? Where's the hair straightener and the makeup? Well, I didn't have any of that. And I remember the first night and I was getting my fear up. You know, I was going into panic. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? What if, what if a snake comes? What if, what if, what if, what if, you know, like I'm going into this complete what if thing. Wow. And then I, you know what I went? I went. There's nobody here to help me. 
what's the point in getting myself into this state? Stop. And I actually stopped. I actually stopped it. So like you said, when the emotion's high, the intelligence is low. And my emotion was running high at that point. But I realized there was nobody there to help me. And you in Bali would have been the same. There was no one there to help you. So your own innate your thing for survival just kicks, just in, kicks or? in? The grander force that beats your heart, breathes you, blinks your eyes. It's that same intelligence. It's that same grander. You know, like for me, for me the only words I get for it is the angelic being. The real you, the, 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 the all-powerful you that actually can do anything. Where nothing is actually a problem. But for us as humans, we've got to reach the crescendo of fear, the crescendo of nervousness, the crescendo of anxiety before that part of us actually kicks in. Because if you think about it, every time that real part of us, that all-knowing, that absolute peace and calm where the stomach unties and it's not, the only time that that actually kicks in is when there's the direct contrast to it is at its absolute peak think about it from the context of being these two are looking at me like rabbits in headlights I know, I know. It's I just am. Amazing. we've just I'm both gone you. stunned I've gone what did she say yeah no I got it I, and, and, but and, I didn't I didn't get it so you need to repeat it because there'll be okay. other people that aren't getting this so okay. I'm stunned so as a, think about this as a speaker I uh, when I was speaking for a conference of 700 people and they were all chiropractors and they were all doctors and I get up on the stage with my Bali story and my psychology and what I know, I get up on the stage and I'm feeling, and before I was presenting, I was feeling incredibly inadequate. I thought, oh my God, these people are going to laugh me off the stage. This is just going to be ludicrous. What was I thinking to even accept this? And this was what was going through my mind. And meanwhile, we're thinking they couldn't have chosen anyone better. better. Well, it's all about perspective, isn't it? But I was terrified to the point where my legs were were shaking noticeably. My arms were shaking noticeably. I was sweating before I went up on stage. And I got to the point where I honestly felt like I was going to vomit. And I haven't felt that level of fear around speaking for years. But because I felt so inadequate and intimidated, I, that was my natural fear response. But I got myself so worked up to the point where there was no, I couldn't go any further. There was no answer. There was no response. There was nothing else I could do because they were calling my name to step up on stage. And it was a do or die moment. It was a make or break moment. It was, a, it was you either go forward, you either fly or you, you die. Basically, it was a moment like that, you know? And in that moment, there was a part of me then that woke up and it was a wake up where I felt I'm not going to die. What other alternative do I have? <laughs> I like that. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. Mm. Yeah. So what other alternative do I have? And I closed my eyes. I took a really deep breath. And the moment I took that deep breath and shut my eyes and I went inside, I found this almighty power inside of me that brought all of that anxiety all of that that flame of fear and quelled it within a second that I walked out on that stage with absolute knowing of who I was and it was as if somebody plugged my wings back in I walked out on that stage and I went and played and And did a remarkable job and it was for me my own personal experience of it was 
the best I've ever felt because I walked out onto the stage and I knew who I was. I had no doubt. I had no question. I stood on the stage and I let the real me out to play and I lost myself. I got the, 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 the uh, physical not good enough me got out of the way and I allowed the all-powerful innate intelligence that's the me that's not in me when they cut me open that me came out to play and I felt extraordinary when I walked off the stage I actually felt a little bit dizzy when I walked off the stage because it was almost like I dropped the I'm not good enough me behind the curtains and then I picked it back up again when I walked out (laughs) It was, it was quite a remarkable experience, quite remarkable. Cindy, do you remember feeling that, uh, that, that same feeling when giving birth? You thought about that from that perspective where, so just as an example, my first birth, I was so frightened. I, the pain was so extraordinary. It was so intense and I had very fast delivery, so I was also with all my learnings and teachings and antenatal classes was completely thrown, which of course always happens when you go and learn something. Of course, the universe is going to give you another way to look at it. Um, and <laughs> mine was certainly the complete opposite to what I was going to, what I was expecting. But I got into that whole place, particularly with my daughter, and thankfully I had um, some beautiful people with me to help bring that sense of calm, but I still wasn't that until I had my second child and it was when I was with Jacob and, and Danny's mum was in my ear and she said to me, my darling, close your eyes. This is just, pain is just like the tide. It's coming in and with every wave it's going out. And if you work with the tide and the waves, you will actually find that, that you will roll this thing. You will roll it out. It'll happen with ease. And I've never forgotten it. And, and the way I gave birth to Jacob, even though they were both still intense, still very strong, I went into a different place with Jacob that I hadn't done with Taylor, and my body took over, my knowledge took over, and in fact, I did not hear anyone in that room. I, I yeah, disappeared. It's, it's like you leave the room. I left the room. That's what it feels like. You've left the room. <laughs> I like it, that. It is. Yeah. I wasn't there. And that's, and that's what I think we started off talking about at the beginning when we're on stage, when we get into that connected place, I don't think you're we're actually not there. there. It's what it feels like. And then when you get off the stage and then, you know, you're hugging people or, you th- you know, people are saying thank you or high fives or whatever, then you, then you reappear. But it's almost like you, the you that's sitting in the skin, disappears. Because we were telling Cindy this morning, Karen and I have noticed a real shift in the way Cindy presents on oh, stage. Wow. And we are gobsmacked every time she speaks. And we were trying to decide. And do you know what was so amazing is Cindy was sitting there going, really? Wow, what? <laughs> she, yeah. she didn't know what. We were trying to pinpoint it, weren't we? And it was almost like now we know that she has left the stage. <laughs> the stage. Cindy has left the building. <laughs> You know, just no, don't leave the car. Just, just, yeah, just change. <laughs> Cindy, change lanes. Change your lanes. Cheapest. Holy Julie. Uh, don't leave us. No, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. I'm, I'm with you. But, you know, I felt good yesterday um, when you said that I was in a different place when I spoke. So it felt really good. 
but the vibration within the room was what was quite amazing. And I think that that's what happened with you, Karen, is that when you were speaking to those 700 chiropractors, the vibration within that room is huge because they're on fire, they're innately knowing what they're doing, they're in a different space than people who haven't got that knowledge of that innateness. And, you know, yesterday was probably much the same, is that people were ready. They were ready to start to make some shifts in their lives. And so that empowers you. So it's not only your being nervous and, and then leaving the room, as you guys say, but it's also the what's happening in the room, I think. Well, if you think about you, and, and I totally agree, I totally agree, and I think that's part of that connectedness and that oneness as well. Really, I mean, you think about that. Mm. If every, and, and, and we've spoken about vibrational frequencies on podcasts before. You know, you go into a room of people who are well, who feed their bodies with high vibrating food, they exercise, they're aware, they're awake up to their vibrational frequency. You go into a room with 700 creatures who are all awake up to their vibrational frequency and taking responsibility. If we are all one and we are all connected, that can't not have an effect and it can't not have an influence. And likewise with the event that we did with the wellness guys yesterday, it was exactly the same thing. And you were really nervous yesterday, Cindy. I was. You were. And, yeah. and I, you know, God, if there's, if there's a penultimate bloody expert at speaking, <laughs> it's you. And you'd never imagine that you would be in a position where you would be nervous before you got on stage, especially in front of 180 people. Like, you've done 10,000, you know. you're so clever. <laughs> and you're so bright and you can answer any question. But nervous, but notice the nervousness when for Cindy got her to the crescendo of nervousness and then the innate part of her kicked in and she got out of the way where she delivered from the most enlightened place. And it wasn't, and I don't mean to be woohoo, I really don't mean to have hairy armpits and woohoo about this, but you really were enlightened. You were just... Um, you Karen's telling me what to do right now. She's pointing yeah, so that's the why she's paused. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh gosh, there goes the phone again. Goodness, I just had to. Well, I'm turn telling right. Cindy to turn, turn right. <laughs> I hope you're finding this as funny as we are. We have these serious moments of enlightenment, and in the next minute, we've got to turn right. It's like we leave the building and we're back. <laughs> Just hysterical. God, what have we done here? Now, do you remember what you were just saying? No, no idea. See, she'd left the room. I now guess. she's back. Well, you nearly left the road, love. That's I why we left the road. road. bring it back to you sweetheart because yesterday your delivery of information and we were talking about this in the past Cindy has so much knowledge so yeah. much information and so much passion that she delivers it with how <laughs> it's almost like how do you idiots not get this <laughs> but you know like I'm not trying to be funny but it's like how do you not get this? Well, it was a little so harsh well love well she has no she 
Well, oh, that was the way she used to present. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, she did. Yes, yes she did. Yes. She used to be pointing the finger yes. and barking and, and... And how do you not get this? Yeah, wake up and smell the coffee beans. Whereas it was like she was talking to the little opening in our hearts oh. that then allowed us to open it even more and go, how could she not be anything but right? Oh. And you took us down there with you. It's not just food you talk about, Cindy, and, and Karen doesn't just talk about mindset, and, and, and I don't just talk about chemical-free or physical exercise. It's, it's like the three of us, there's something that drives and floats our boat beyond, beyond the words that come out of our mouths. Otherwise, why would be, you know, I've been speaking for 17 years saying my story. Are you that old? And the reason why we're going to pull over look, now... You do look great for 69, <laughs> as you would say. <laughs> but I think what happens when we deliver our information, like I really got this with the wellness guys as well, because when you hear people speak on stage that are really present, really passionate, and really not there, you get more. Does that make sense? I think that's true. When the speaker leaves the room... I think it you know, is. when the speaker gets out of the way, there's purity, there's enlightenment, there's purity, there's transformation, and the audience gets it. You know, the audience feels it. People feel it. And it doesn't actually, it's, it's not just about being on stage. I think it's about being when we're connecting with anybody and when we're connecting with ourselves. Think about that. All right, so I have a question. So fear makes us leave the room. I don't think fear does in that moment. But I don't it, think we leave the room until the fear has subsided. But the what fear I'm thinking, the fear is imagined. Yeah, think about it. The fear is imagined because it is imagined. Correct. Totally agree. And, but if you do not have that fear, perhaps you'll never leave the room and you'll never get to where you're meant to be getting. Or, <laughs> or that's just what we're conditioned to thinking. Why do we have to be fearful to get to that point? Bingo. Uh, bingo, yes. Yeah, why can't we just get there? Why can't we just, actually, why can't we just be there? Why can't we just be there all the time? And how? How can we just be there all the time? Can I just say, <laughs> we are driving right now. I've looked out the window and we're on the top of this mountain. And if you look out to your right girls, not you, Cindy, um, <laughs> Karen, you look out to the... But we Cindy, are so stop high. To the <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's spectacular. The view it's... is breathtaking. But so is the conversation. But let's but get back to that. But isn't that right? I mean, how, you know, if, if we're saying that it's the ultimate, penultimate fear that actually gives us the transformation or it's the vehicle or it acts as a catalyst, let's just say that, it acts as a catalyst for us to get to the real innate aspect of ourselves, how do we just be there all the time? Because if we were able to just be there all the time, we would know who we are all the time. And if we know who we are all the time, we would therefore be connected to one another all the time. And that sense of oneness would be prevalent and relevant all the time. And I have just got in this moment why people and how people can meditate for eight hours or ten hours or why they do that. I've never understood why someone would want to go and sit there. Now, I'm not saying I want to go and do that, but if that's the feeling they're getting, maybe I'm missing out on something. And turn left. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, is that what true meditative state is, is when we go into that place of awareness and yet you've left the room type of thing? Well, see, 
I don't know, because I think that that sense of connectedness and oneness occurs when we're in the presence of others. I mean, I definitely think that, the med that meditation gives you a taste of that and gives you an experience of it. I feel that and I get it. I really get it. But I get it more when I'm in the presence of others. I get it connectedness to myself when I'm meditating, but I get the oneness of humanity and the oneness of this universe when I'm in the presence of others. And yet you talk to people that have done those 10-day Vipassana yeah. retreats yeah. that are there on their own for 10 days. They cannot speak to anyone else, and they get this... This, this unbelievable connectedness as I'm watching a cow do strange things in a paddock. But back to Vipassana, but when people go for 10 days and they are not speaking or communicating with another human being, every time I've spoken to someone that comes out of that, they are in fact more connected than I've ever seen. Would you not say that with the people, the friends that we've had that have done that? They've come out even more connected and more aware of what it is to be at one with other people. Yeah, true. But I think there's many ways to get there. Well, maybe I that's think the just being, you know, speaking for 10, you know, not speaking for 10 days. I, I get it. I got it this morning. When we were having our conversation, I got it this morning. And you were speaking, Karen, and we were, you know, we were in this, I don't know where we were and what we were chatting about, but it was about, um, it was about what we're talking about now. And I got that expansive feeling of the, there's something greater out there and there's something big out there and all I have to do is tap into it and yeah. get rid of my fear. But I still, I still think if I didn't have fear on my solo, I would never have learned that I can, I actually can control fear. You can control it. You do not have to have it. But maybe it serves that purpose to push you onward if you don't let it control you. I think fear is a fantastic, unbelievable emotion or feeling or thought or whatever it is if we turn it in the other way and we use it as a tool rather than a weapon. And so we look at if we have that feeling of fear, instead of going, oh, my gosh, I don't want it, and pushing it away, we say, oh, hello, fear. Thank you for the reminder what you to get to present. Me? What are you showing me? And I'm open to listen to it and hearing it. Maybe that's a better way to look at, at well, the fear. Think of it in the context of there are no mistakes, just for a second, which then means that fear is no mistake either. So fear is a has a purpose because none of us were created in the context of being a mistake. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. So... Fear well, I certainly and don't tell my second child that, no. No. He was a sweet surprise. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. But you know you're being recorded now, right? He won't listen. No? Good, good. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, even the, even the shadow aspect of us as humans, the negative aspects, the, the fears, you know, we've only labelled them negative because they don't make us feel good. But what if they're purposeful and what if their intention was never to make us feel good, uh, not make us feel good, their intention was to be a platform for us to launch from? Mm. What if the shadow side of our personalities and our humanness is a platform for us to say, you're here to teach me something, you're here to show me something about my greatness. Let me pay attention, let me listen. What are you trying to show me about my greatness? Because our positive side of us, it's very easy to listen to that but we never apply it to the extent that we should. Yet our negativity, we take that puppy on board, we apply that, we own it, that's ours, I'm fearful of heights, 
I can't do this, I can't do that, and we make it who we are. Yeah, but then we almost get pleasure out of telling everybody about the negative aspect of that and the drama of it. Oh, and, the... and that's all because there's a damn payoff and we get to get attention, attention and all of that sort of stuff. And that's a whole other conversation, really. So can I ask both of you, and I was extremely nervous yesterday before I got up to speak to you for some reason, but on my way up to the stage, my intro that I'd rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed <laughs> completely changed the minute I hit the stage. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why or how, but it just did. Because you left did. the stage. I think I did. Because <laughs> you left the room. You left the room. You left the room. And you actually left it open to whatever was meant to be said would be said. And, and which then I, now I don't have to apologise when, <laughs> when no, I say things. Because now, you, well, absolutely not. And if people can actually get this, I think this is the greatest message in this entire podcast, is that when we get that we are not these small, insignificant beings that are insecure. In fact, it's the absolute opposite. We are these all-powerful, almighty creatures that are creating here on this earth and that we are accompanied by a much grander intelligence that's been driving our life all along. When we get that we have that much power, it's at that point we can start to trust ourselves and stop doubting our thoughts, stop doubting our desires, stop doubting what we're saying, stop apologizing for who we are. Because who we are and what we are and the way that we express ourselves in this life is absolutely necessary because it's part of a universal unfoldment that is much grander and much bigger than we are as individuals. So we don't have to doubt ourselves and question ourselves. We can actually trust that who we are and what we are and what we do and express is right and it's meant to be that way and make no apologies for it. So both of you, before... That's that's incredible. As I let that sink in, it's more incredible the more I let it sit. But what were you so afraid of, both of you? What what were we afraid of? What were you afraid of that made you so nervous yesterday, Cindy, before you got up there that had you go into a fearful place? That's what a were good you, question. What were you so what fearful was the fear of? of? Well, I was trying to figure it out while I was sitting there. I, I'm trying to figure out why am I sitting here and why is my heart beating so hard? I've got, you know, two minutes, three minutes before I go on the stage and you felt it, Kim, because you were right beside me. I was shaking with you. And I'm like going, well, what am I so fearful of? And I couldn't figure it out. I could not figure out, am I scared of the audience? Am I scared I'm not going to say the right thing? Am I scared I'm not prepared enough? Am I scared that, um, you know, that they're not going to accept what I've got to say? And, you know, like, what was that? Well... And that's the thing, I think that's when, when we actually analyse the fear, we realise there's nothing there. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, isn't it? Yeah. When we actually analyse the fear, we realise that there is nothing there because the fear is always a projection into the future that we haven't arrived at yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if we could, and here's the thing, here's, here's the part that I'm just, I'm, I'm just absolutely loving at the moment. We are so busy projecting into the future, experiencing fear, remembering the past and experiencing regret that we're not present. So we're living our lives in this constant flux of fear and regret or fear or anticipation and all these different experiences that have absolutely no relationship to what's actually real. Because in the moment... When you analyze the fear, if you say, at the moment, here I am standing. On the a, precipice of something. That's right. And here I, I, I'm standing in a room filled with, people, filled with people. Is there something to be fearful about? Not right now. 
And in this moment, I'm taking one step. Is there anything to be fearful about? Well, not right now. And in the next moment, I'm taking a step. And is there anything to be frightened of? Well, not right now. But because we anticipate getting up on the stage, and for people who, you know, haven't spoken in public, that is quite nerve-wracking, you know, because we're anticipating being on the stage, walking off the stage, and being judged by people. But it never actually works out that way. When you go through it, it's what you're frightened of actually never comes to fruition. So when we analyze the fear, it's never real because it's always a projected anticipation into the future of an outcome that actually never comes to fruition because what we imagine and what becomes real are always two different things. So true. So true. Yeah. And, and before you were saying, you know, we're so projecting into the future or regretting from the past or doing this thing and we're not present. And yet what we've all just said then, when we were most present, we actually left the room. And I'm going, so maybe we haven't left the room. We've actually come home or we're really... It's waking up because when we're in the present, we're awake. When so we haven't in, left the room. Well, I wonder. I mean, I, I, I don't I think that's, that's still a question for me that's up in the air because I definitely don't feel like I'm there because I don't remember the things that well, I say. Well, that's the thing. Every time any one of us come off stage and one of us will say that was amazing or we got something and the other one will go, Really? really? Did I say that? <laughs> we do. And neither, none of us. We were all saying it this morning. We cannot wait. remember some of the things we said. Wait, wait, wait. What if, but wait, wait, wait. Think about this. Because we are so present and we are in the moment, when we're on stage and we have left the room, in that situation, when, oh, my goodness, I think I just had a light bulb moment. Because we've left the room, we've gotten out of the way the, the superficial side of ourselves that has the fear and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Because that part of us has gotten out of the way. When that gets out of the way, we're absolutely intimate. We're absolutely in tune. We become one with the all the, the universal intelligence. And that's why we say the things we say and we don't remember them. Because when we get out of the way, we do become one with all. We become one with. So maybe we, we haven't one left. With We've just expanded. We've just expanded. Yeah, I get that now. Mm. Oh my god, I get that now. Mm. And, and 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 that 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 oneness. Oh bloody hell! Here we go. That oneness. <laughs> <She's> downloading. <laughs> but that oneness is available to us at all times. That sense of oneness and that expandedness is available to us all the time. When we are in the present moment and awake, when we're off in the future and off in the past, we're asleep. It's an unconsciousness. And even the Bible talks about an awakening. So in the moment, we're able to be awake when we're absolutely in the present and we've let go the past regrets or, or experiences and we're not anticipating future fears and we just get absolutely present to the, to the moment. Notice when you do that and you make no reference to the past and no reference to the future, there's just a nothingness. There's nothing. Because if you're not referring to the past and you're not referring to the future, there's just nothingness. And in the nothingness is everything. Mm. In the nothingness is the no-thingness. There's no thing. There's just oneness. I could cry. <laughs> that was brilliant. That's just an absolute mm. life bulb. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Because there's just nothing. There's nothing other than the oneness and the expansiveness of, 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 of everything. And you're completely connected to the grandest aspect of humanity where, where such magic is created. 
such beautiful things are expressed, such, such beautiful words come out, such, such acceptance, such love, such compassion, such beauty. And such peace. And such, oh it's, gosh. It gives you that I am peace. Crying she now. is crying. <laughs> and maybe when we leave that place or when we're not staying present to it is when the person who cuts us off on the road becomes <sighs> a jerk or the someone who, because we've all talked about this as well, when someone's having a crack at us or someone is saying something or they're doing something to you that you don't like, when you're in that place, you'll react. If, if you're not in that place that we're talking about, that no-thingness, you find a place to react because now your own emotions, your fears, your everything comes back in. So how do we, Karen, how do we get to that, how do we remind ourselves as we go at it? So, so Cindy learnt at 19 that she has a fear or that she goes into panic mode when she freaks out about something, which can bring on a migraine. The next time she gets a phone call that someone does that, taking the knowledge we've just now experienced in this, how does she take herself from that feeling of fear or, 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 or worry or panic or whatever it is? What can she do in that moment? Well, I have to, to be her? in the present. Yeah, but how do you bring yourself to that present? Well, how would you do it now? I'm looking at your eyes, you know, and that's all that's, like I'm just looking at you right now or I was just looking at Kim right now and and I'm totally in the present. I actually don't even know how we got where we are right now. Well, you know what? There is always, ask yourself this question. I'm not driving, by the way. Yeah, no, we have pulled up. Yeah, we've stopped. We've pulled up. When you think about yourself, who's listening? Ask yourself the question, who is listening? And now, who's asking the question? And who's answering it? There's an awareness that exists inside of all of us. There's just a presence that's there 24-7. There's an awareness that's inside of you that is doing the listening. There is an awareness inside of me that's doing the speaking. Who is that? You're freaking me out. You're freaking me out. I've just gone, wow. It's noodle baking. It oh, is noodle baking. I've gone so goosebumps. And who's, who's asking the question? When you go, in, just for a second, just go silent for a second and say to yourself, who's listening? <laughs> and who just asked yourself that question of who's listening? And who was the person witnessing that being asked? Correct. It's that grandest awareness of yourself that language cannot label. It's an intelligence that beats your heart and breathes you and blinks your eyes that is always aware. It's always aware and it's been unfolding your life all along. It's just you haven't been playing with it. You haven't been participating with it. You've been so busy in the past and so busy in the future, you haven't been participating. That awareness is always there. So if you ask yourself, how do you come to an awareness? How do you come to the now? There's no other. You can't actually be anywhere else. You are always in the now. It's just that you're not awake to it. You're asleep. The minute you wake up to it and you say, hang on. Let me look at the. Let, let me just look at the now and notice how easy it is to actually get into the now. You don't actually have to try. You just have to become aware that you're not in the now. Being aware that you're not in the now brings you to the now. So when someone is attacking you or being rude to you or 
offending you or upsetting you. Be aware that you're not in the now because all you're doing is remembering the last time you felt hurt, the last time you felt triggered. So you're back into the past anticipating where this conversation is going and then becoming fearful, thinking I need to protect myself from a future feeling. And it could be in five minutes' time because somebody's saying you're being a, a butt face or you're rude or you're nasty or what have you. But, but it's almost like... Um, it's almost like to not have a reaction to that, you've got to leave the room. You, you leave the building again because then you have compassion with that person, non-judgment and love and oneness. And you do not... And none of it matters. It doesn't, it doesn't affect you. None of it's important. None of it matters. Because it will always be resolved in however way it's going to be. It's just the process in which you get to that. And it really doesn't matter because... All that, you're, all that you're witnessing is somebody on their journey to waking up. Because if everybody woke up, if everybody was able to bring themselves to the present and realize that they're not in the present, if everybody was able to bring themselves to this awareness, there would never be a conversation where we, where we were mean to each other or nasty to each other or we went to war in order to be right. That would never, that, that would never occur. So if you're in the present and you take responsibility for realizing that you're not in the present, when you're not in the present, then you're not aware when you're not aware, you're off in the past or you're off in the future. If you, would, if, if you take responsibility for yourself and bringing yourself to that awareness of being in the present and not making reference to the past or the future, if you take responsibility for that and you see that somebody else is not doing what you're doing, how could there be anything other than compassion for that person? Because that person is just in the process of getting the realisation that you're getting. They're, or they're, they're just, in the past doing what they've always done to get attention. Or and if they knew better, they would the do better. The if they knew what you knew about an awakening and being aware, if they knew it, they wouldn't be being mean or nasty. They just wouldn't because it, that all falls away. All of that goes away when you're in the present moment because the present moment is one with all. So to be awake, which we, we talk about a lot, to, like there are so many people that are asleep. And including ourselves at times. Oh, yeah, definitely. But to, 90% of the time. Mm. But I think we are beginning to awaken, you know, like, and in different aspects. Like, you know, we were talking about that this morning where uh, you were talking about religion, Karen. Mm. And are people awake in a religion or are they just following a, a theology? Yeah. The same goes with our healthcare. Are sure. people awake in their healthcare or are they just following a theology? So I'm trying to put in my, in my mind is to be in the present is to create an awake, awakefulness. Then how do we become awake to the memes that are out there? How does that happen? Well, you know, I mean, I don't have all of the answers because I'm only just getting this now, you know, mm. and, and, and I, don't, I don't know if this is going to be right. But if we're awake, the memes are irrelevant. It's irrelevant because it's all about the past. The memes are just all about the past. The, the societal beliefs all exist in the past. If we are awake and present in the moment, and really, you know, and you can, I can, you can feel what that feels like, and then we go out into our lives being present in the moment, are we going to make a choice that's going to... Um, make us, if, if, you know, and we have to know better too, you know, we have to yeah. know better. 
So I think that's part of our job is is being, you know, educators inside of humanity. And even the people, you guys listening to these podcasts, you know that you're educators in humanity in the field that you've become an expert in. So just like us, we've become experts in our field. So when we when people know better and they become present in the moment and connected and intimate with that oneness, we're not going to make decisions that are going to be harmful to the environment, harmful to our animals, harmful to ourselves. We're just not going to make those decisions. And regardless of the memes and societal beliefs that exist born out of ignorance in the past, it becomes irrelevant because we're not making reference to the past. We're only making reference to this moment right now. You know, the three of us are about to get out the car and go and have lunch in the most gorgeous little cottage. Now, if we are all present in the moment, connected to the oneness of all, we're not going to make a decision to eat foods that have been highly processed because our decisions are not about being harmful to ourselves. Yeah, there's no golden arches here. No. It's, it's, it's almost like there's a harmony and a unity that becomes possible for humanity when we become present and connected to the oneness of everything that's a, that has a universal... You said something today that I think is the perfect way to sum this particular podcast up. And you made a reference this morning by saying, united we stand and divided we fall. It is through this this oneness, oneness, this unity, and that's that feeling that we're talking about, whether it's on stage or in relationship or whether you're with a partner or even with your children or giving birth or whatever it is you're doing, when you're at that oneness, you are united. And and you don't have to do anything. There's there's, no trying. It's just occurring. Because we're all waking up. You wake him. You can see. You should see her brain. The way. (laughs) The only. The only metaphor I can give you how I'm feeling right now is when you tell me that we are on planet Earth, (laughs) and planet Earth is part of a solar system, and the solar system is part of a galaxy, and then the galaxy is part of an intergalactical Universe. universe. Yeah, hello, but what's housing the universe? So then if something's housing the universe, what's outside of that? Because there's always something outside of that. There must be something to house it. So if there is, then how big does it, where the heck does it, It's. and then I can go the other way (laughs) where I go, we're on this intergalactical universe and we come down into the solar system, we're in a galaxy and we're on planet Earth and then we go into our country, Australia, and we go down and and then I go right down to a blade of grass, and then I go right into the inside of the and all of a sudden there's nothingness. Unless and I, we're in the blade of grass. Well, when the, you know, know the universe when, in the blade of grass. Well, when you analyse the blade of grass, right down to the very nth degree, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. That's true. And therefore, it's a vibration. It's, whether it's macro or micro, it still comes back to the no-thingness. And the no-thingness is the very thing that unites all of us. And now I'm actually wondering if we're even here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good note yeah, to end I think it's a great. I think we were going far too deep down the rabbit hole there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but it makes people think. Look, I think I think for me, we're going to get out this car stoned. <laughs> you know, I, think, I feel, I feel, I feel like totally transported. But you know, I hope that you guys have gotten something out of this podcast. If there was, you know, anything to at least begin asking questions and exploring, I don't know. You have been live behind the scenes with us in the car driving from the Gold Coast to Byron Bay. You've heard the phone drop. 
You've witnessed us <laughs> scratching roads, risking our lives at the hands of Cindy on a wet road. And it's been extraordinary. And Karen us. telling me, mouthing me that she wants to go to the toilet. <laughs> Don't say that. God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I hope this has been enlightening or inspiring for you to at least begin to start to go inside and look and see what other possibilities could exist for us as humans because it's, there's more. It's not just a skin bag of existence. There's more. And we all have this. Every one of us. And it's the ones that are awakened that you think have it mm. and you don't. But we all, we have, all have it. it. We all have it. So and go I'm, out and, and find it. And I'm just it. wondering if all of you out there have these kind of conversations because now I'm going, <laughs> where did that all come from? What, what was that journey? But my gosh, if you've hung in there with us on this one, <laughs> welcome to our world. <laughs> So we'd love to hear your comments on this one. And we're ready. We're expecting a whole host of questions and I don't understands. And can you please clarify? And I'll tell you what, as you ask us those questions, please bring them on. Because as you ask us those questions, you're going to take us to a whole other level in terms of finding the answers. Because this is all new. This is just, it's come to us throughout the context of our brainstorming and our conversation. So we don't even know where we sit with this. But Trust me, when you ask us questions, we will ferociously go about finding the answers, either through intuitive introspection or through scientific detection. So feel comfortable and confident that you're in the safest hands on this journey. So come with us. Post your questions on the website at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. God, we can't wait to hear from you. So get on board. We'll look so forward to sharing our thoughts with you again next week um, on Up For A Chat. And join us and become part of the revolution and part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Thank you for sharing this journey with us. Thank you. Enjoy and we'll see you next week. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Krista from The Wellness Guys here. Wow, i tell you what, it's been electric since our first summit came to a close up on the Gold Coast and the wellness community is screaming out for more. Well, get ready because our next summit is coming to Melbourne and we'd love to have you come. The wellness guys, of course, will be there, plus the effervescent Up For A Chat girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison and Karen Smith and some super special guests. It'll be 10 hours of powerhouse wellness that you don't want to miss. Simply go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. See you there.